Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck, to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 19. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard, yet their voice goes out throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy. And like a strong man runs its course with joy, Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward, but who can detect their errors? Clear me from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from the insolent. Do not let them have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 7. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins, and they shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. Foreigners shall till your land and dress your vines. But you shall be called priests of the Lord. You shall be named ministers of our God. You shall enjoy the wealth of the nations, and in their riches you shall glory. Because their shame was double, and their dishonor was proclaimed as their lot. Therefore they shall possess a double portion. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only during that person's lifetime? Thus a married woman is bound by the law to her husband as long as she lives. But if her husband dies, 
she is discharged from the law concerning her husband. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, and if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. In the same way, my friends, you have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to one another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. While we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are discharged from the law, dead to that which held us captive, so that we are slaves not under the old written code, but in the new life of the Spirit. Here ends the reading. Isaiah 61 is the same scripture that Jesus read when he gave his first uh, sermon in the synagogue. He had um, been given this scroll, and it usually has, uh, the reader has some ability to choose their selection, but it's relatively narrow. When Jesus chooses Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me, sent uh, sent me to bring the good news to the oppressed, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then, to, and it, it was in his hometown, um, in Nazareth, where everybody knew that he wasn't really Joseph's son. Um, and probably, if there weren't whispers, it was outright knowledge that Mary certainly must have slept around. Because all the news during Advent that maybe they talked about or claimed that this was the Christ child that just kind of lived his life and not done much of anything of note. And so he goes back to Nazareth, which was known as kind of not really the best area. And he reads this scripture and says, and you know it's true because I'm standing in front of you. You know, this scripture is fulfilled in my reading today. And people were kind of confused. Um, he's like, what? And then he kind of explains it. He says, um, everybody loves, uh, you know, hearing this stuff until, they, until they're confronted face to face. Um, the prophet is, is never welcome in his hometown. And the idea being, like, it wasn't an easy word to hear, and he's claiming that he's the one to kind of make this right, which was, I imagine, felt rather convicting for his hometown. Um, but the letter to, of Paul to the Romans um, has been used in some cases to, throughout history, to, to downplay the Old Testament of the Hebrew Scriptures and the whole foundation upon which Jesus is standing. Um, and I think it is true that that there, we have a new relationship with the law, you know, the, the commandments and the Torah and everything. And I'm not Jewish. I was, I've been a Gentile and grafted onto the vine and all that. But Jesus does give us a command. Um, he says, love one another as I have loved you. Um, so the law isn't gone. The law has just changed. And if and Paul mentions this, we're bound to another, which is Christ. And Christ gives us this law, which, frankly, is higher and more difficult and more aspirational than the commandments have been. 
So it's not that we're free from the law. Uh, in a similar sense, you might think like in the military, when we swear our oath and we get out, well, yeah, you're no longer bound to the oath, but the, uh, there's nothing wrong with the oath. The oath was our oath of enlistment or, or commissioning. There's something good in that to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Um, and that's why I said with, uh, yesterday I mentioned the Semper Familia collection. Um, we're always family. Um, and if, you know, one, if we're ever in service, there's a good chance we'll always be in service. That the values that we learn in the military um, are often carried through after our, our time uh, bound by this oath that we swear to our, to our country. And that's, a diff- that's also kind of higher to, to, to take the principles of that oath um, and hold on to them. For those um, veterans who still feel as though they're serving, whether they're federal employees uh, and furloughed and not being paid, um, or they're firefighters, or they've entered the nonprofit sector or social work, um, they'll often cite their oath of enlistment or their, the principles that they learned and that they adhered to while they were in service and said, look, this is just another form of the same service. The law is not gone. Uh, the commandment has changed. The commandment has evolved from, look, this is the basic thing. Here's a skeleton of what you're supposed to be doing. Protect the Constitution against all enemies. And then once you're no longer bound by that law, adhering to it is all the is all the greater. It's all all the more important that we recognize the significance of um, of the of, of what's at the core of these um, beliefs and this tradition and this um, this lifestyle that we've chosen, and to bring out the the best in it. self-dedication from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and eternal God, so draw our hearts to you, so guide our minds, so fill our imaginations, so control our wills that we may be wholly yours, utterly dedicated to you, and then use us, we pray, as you will and always to your glory and to the welfare of your people, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thank you for falling into Pew Pew HQ's first formation, where we share morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support this podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host yourself by recording a lectionary reading and sending it to me to be included in a weekday episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts can be found in earlier episodes, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in First Formation in this or any way. Finally, and maybe most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a voice message feature on Anchor's iOS or Android apps. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, 
aired anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it. Three ways to participate in morning prayers for Pew Pew people. I hope you will continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been and always will be Logan Isaac. Always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.